Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 2. And I, uh, I enjoy the message translation because it gives me a different perspective of, of scripture that I, I actually enjoy. Now see, I grew up, I actually learned to read by the King James Bible. If it was good enough for Peter, it was good enough for me. So I actually learned reading the King James, which is kind of weird. Um, so I grew up learning Old English and all kinds of weird things. And so it's kind of funny that I would enjoy the message translation so much that I use it when I speak, especially to students. So Colossians chapter three says this, verses one and two. So if you're serious about living this new raised up life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things above where Christ is sitting next to God. Don't shuffle along eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Look up and be alert to what is going on around Christ because that's where the action is. See things from his perspective. There's a reason why I enjoy the message translation because it gives me a different perspective about what scripture says. And today we are going to talk about perspective change. Now when I was eight years old, I discovered that I enjoyed rock climbing. Namely, mountain climbing. As big as it could get, I loved the challenge. And in fact, I remember the first time that I discovered that I loved it. I was eight, like I said. And my parents took all of us kids on a family vacation to the beach. I'm from California, and the beach is all there. They have beautiful scenery. The beach is stretched long, and the water's freezing. But it, it makes for really good, dramatic cliffside scenery. And in driving along, there's this one beach. Uh, in fact, they use uh, the town that's here, uh, Bodega Bay, in the Alfred Hitchcock movie, The Birds. And I love that town because it's literally a ghost town. There's only a couple people that live there. But driving through it, you get to some of the most beautiful beaches in the world. And um, so we went there, and there's this one part where you can go down to the beach, and there's this beautiful, I mean, the texture the shape, the color. I mean, there she was. This rock, this slab of granite was just so amazing. It's like it called out to me. And I see this, and here's this eight-year-old scrawny little twerp. You saw my son sitting next to me. He looks exactly like me. He's eight years old now. He looked exactly like me when I was eight. Same haircut, same everything. Looked just like me. Now imagine this little twerp seeing this monstrosity of a rock and suddenly disappearing. And as a mother, my mom's immediately thinking, ocean, he's swept out to sea, he's dead. Sharks, dead, right? And so she's looking around and she starts to panic. And my father, you know, being a little bit more level-headed, you know, started searching. He said, Josh, where are you? You're not that dumb. Where are you? And suddenly they hear this small little squeaky voice, here I am. And they look over, and then they look up. And I remember vividly, and this is the reason why I love rock climbing, my mother's face. Sheer terror as I'm literally hanging by like one arm from this scrag like 100 feet up. Well, maybe it was like 
10, but to me, it's like a thousand feet up in the air and I'm hanging by one arm and I'm like, look at me, right? And so I scale up it like a little spider and I get to the top and I look down and my mother's face looked from sheer terror to suddenly it turned to awe. And then I look over at my father and here's this look of humor, kind of like this little punk, you know what I mean? And, but yet there was this serious pride in his face. And from that day on, I enjoyed, in fact, I love rock climbing. You can ask my family. It's one of the most, I love the feel of rocks in my hand. I love just getting my hands all dusty with the chalk and rock climbing. I've enjoyed it thoroughly. But later on in my teen years, I remember, I, I loved to backpack. And one time I was backpacking up into this mountain range in Cal Southern California, uh, a mountain range or a, a, a part of the Sierra Nevadas that end down there. Um, called Mammoth. And Mammoth, if you've ever been there, is actually, the, city, the town of Mammoth is actually in the, in the hollow of a volcano. <laughs> They're real smart. And above that, this volcano is on top of a mountain range, but on top of that mountain range is another mountain range, which has another mountain range that has another mountain range. And so I remember climbing up, and at this point, I think it was like 12 to 15 miles up, and you know, you're climbing up and the trees start to get a little bit thinner because you're getting to the tree limit because the oxygen isn't enough up there. And then you, and then you climb up a little bit more and there's no more shrubs, there's no more trees and you just keep going. I mean, you're drenched in sweat, you can barely breathe and you just keep going. And suddenly you see above you and it looks like a ceiling and it's the cloud base. And you climb and you kind of go and it's really foggy all of a sudden. And then suddenly something glorious happens. You break through the clouds and there you are, all the way above the clouds. And I remember the first time it happened to me, and I, I stood up, and I kind of went out to this, this out, outcrop of rock, and I stood out, and I looked out. I couldn't see the trees except for a couple of them standing above the tips above the clouds. And I remember, and I looked out, and I saw the sea of clouds before me. And I was in awe. I was in wonder. I saw things that I'd never seen before. I felt things. I felt pride. I felt victorious. I felt that this was my calling to conquer this piece of rock. And then I turned around and there was another mountain range behind me. <laughs> and see, I could have looked, turned around and I could have looked up and seen this giant mountain range that was on top of this mountain range that I couldn't see before because of the cloud basin. And I could have... I could have been let down. I could have let it discourage me. I could have just hung my head in shame and, and just gone down. But you know what I did? I remember clearly, I turned around and I got so excited because there was something else in front of me that I could conquer. And it didn't matter how long it took me, I was gonna conquer that rock. And that's a whole nother story about getting stuck on top of that in a lightning storm and having to hide underneath a, in a cave and while well, lightning's literally striking all around you and then somebody's getting altitude sickness and you're having to put them on their shoulder and literally climb down a mountain with somebody strapped to your shoulder while they're vomiting all over you and it's really disgusting. But that's another story that I just summed up. <laughs> but you see, I want to ask you something. What's your mountain? What's your challenge? What's your ocean of clouds? What thing is in front of you that you should overcome? 
You see, we all will get to a place in life, and it happens to every single one of us, where we, we overcome and we're like, oh, man, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And you know, when we quote it and we get through the valley of the shadow of death and we're like, oh, a little bit of sun. And then we turn and suddenly there's just volcanic ash surrounding us and lions and tigers and bears, oh my, about to swallow you whole. Another trial. And in that moment, in that moment, you have a choice. You have a choice to either let it be something that lets you go downwards or something that you rise to the challenge. You see, your perspective is what needs to change, not your circumstance. I need you to hear that again. Your perspective is what needs to change, not your circumstance. Jesus said this. He says, guess what, I'm leaving. And guess what, you're gonna go through problems. It's not gonna be easy all the time for you. You're going to have people not liking you. Why? Because they didn't like me. Problems. The enemy's going to come against you. And the thing is, but what he say? But guess what? I will never leave you. I'll be with you to the end of the age. Amen. Because every time Jesus spoke, he had to say amen, at least in my head. But you see, your perspective needs to change. So number one, change your perspective. This morning, we take my dog for a walk every morning because my little Jack Russell Terrier will whine and jump and bark at me until I take him for a walk. And he won't do his business until we take him for a walk. So we need to take him for a walk because he's too big of a dog to, or too small of a dog to stay outside because he was a wuss. So I'll admit it. My dog's, he's a little dog. So we don't leave him outside because then he barks and all my neighbors would hate me and I don't want that. So we take him for a walk. So this morning I'm taking him for a walk and I'm not OCD, but there's certain things in my life. Thank you for laughing at me, Pastor Ken. <clears throat> By faith, I'm not OCD. But when you open up a peanut butter thing and there's that tin foil, now who in here relates with this? Who will sit there and pick all of the tin foil off? Come on now, where's my non-OCD people with me, okay? Thank you. You sit there and pick for hours. And so I have a spot that my kids know that my wife knows, my dog knows where his leash is. It is in the same spot, right next to the poo bags, right next to his food, on the first shelf of my closet. Not in my room, but in the kitchen. And it's always on the left-hand side, because the bags are right there, the leash is right there. Every single time. Why? It's orderly. I mean, why else would I do it? Right? Hello? And if it's moved a little bit to the right, that's not okay. It needs to be right there. <laughs> and so here I am. I'm, I, I go to grab the leash. I go to grab the leash, and it's not there. And, you know, I do the, the adult thing in me. And I jump into the closet, and I start destroying everything in the closet. How could it not be here? And a little bit of panic, you know, going on inside of me. And I'm like shoving all of the bags around, and I'm wondering why on earth my leash for my dog is not there. And so I'm sitting there for probably about an hour and a half, but I'm a youth pastor. It was more like two, maybe, okay, it was 30 seconds. But um, you know what I'm saying. And suddenly, I was about to give up and throw something. And it was a bag, so it wouldn't have gone very far. But I got up and I stood up and right in that moment, I looked down and underneath the shelf on the floor was the leash. 
You see, <laughs> changing my perspective changed my outcome. <laughs> I'm going to say it again. Changing my perspective changed my outcome. You see, in so much in life, we expect our circumstances to change before we get the breakthrough. We, we expect, oh God, I need you to work on my behalf right now and, and come through. I need this job immediately. I need this. I need this. I need this. And we expect our circumstances to change before we change ourselves. And it is a great fallacy. Change your circumstances. Change starts with you. It starts with me. I must change my circumstance or my perspective before my circumstance is going to change. Back to Colossians chapter three. Verse one says this. So if you're serious about living this new life, new raised up life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things above where Christ is, sitting next to God. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you, like I was looking for the leash. Look up. Be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. See, when I, I've read that scripture a hundred times in, in my, I'm a New King James fan nowadays, and I've read it a thousand times in my Bible. And the moment that I checked it out in the message translation, I saw this verse from a different view. And it, bling, something clicked on the inside of me. You see, we need to see things from Jesus's eyes. This is what I love about Jesus. When questioned, they, they said, well, why do you do these things to Jesus? And Jesus said, you know what? I only do the things that I, I see my father doing. His perspective was that of his father looking down. He could have had a perspective of looking at his circumstances of those who would try to kill him you know, and he'd disappear all fast like, you know, or he'd walk through the midst of them. He could see himself in those immediate problems, going from town to town, his achy feet, his dirty clothes, smelling his fishermen who had no deodorant back then all the time. He could have looked at those circumstances where his mothers and his brothers started doubting who he was and saying, where is he? And they scorned him. He could have seen his life from that perspective, from the immediate circumstance, his immediate problems, where am I going to eat next? What am I going to do? Where am I going to stay in it? That's about to rain. He could have seen all of those problems immediately, but instead he decided to look on it from heaven's perspective. I only do the things my father does. In another place, in a different style, he said, I only say the things that my father says. What are you seeing in your life? What are you saying in your life? What words are you speaking about your circumstances? Are you speaking? Here's the famous quote. Well, I say it like I see it. You know how tired I am of hearing that. <laughs> Come on. Why would I want to call it like I see it? I'm not a referee. Where's Tony? I'm I'm not. <laughs> I'm not a referee. 
I'm somebody that needs to call it like he says it is. I'm the one that needs to see my circumstance like God sees it. You know what I mean? I don't need to see myself as, as people are calling names at me or, or, or homeless or jobless or sick or poor. I don't need to see myself like that. The world does enough of seeing for me. I need to see myself through the eyes of Christ. And he sees you redeemed. He sees you healed. He sees you blessed. He sees you whole. He sees you like he made you. And some of you need to start changing your eyes Some of you need to take your own eyes and say, God, give me your eyes. Change your perspective. John chapter 16, or John chapter 6, excuse me, verse 15. The people realized that God was at work among them in what Jesus had just done, where he had just fed the 5,000. They said, this is the prophet for sure. God's prophet right here in Galilee. Jesus saw in that, in their enthusiasm, they were about to grab him and make him their king. So he slipped off and went back up to the mountain to be by himself. Huh? You see, let me give you some background. During the time of Jesus, they were, uh, the, the nation of Israel was under Roman rule. They had been looking for a very long time for their savior. They hadn't been expecting him to come Oh, Messiah, Messiah will come, Messiah will come. And they were expecting a a conquering king. Their perspective was based on their immediate need right then. We need a king to come and redeem us from Rome, from the Greeks, from before that the Babylonians, or the Persians, before that the Babylonians, before that the Egyptians. All they were seeing was their immediate problems. And all they were seeing was their circumstance. See, but Jesus came in with a different perspective. That's why he slipped up and went up to the mountain to be by himself. You see, Jesus saw the circumstances from a different angle. He saw the situation that were, they were in as, a tempor- as temporary and saw that wasn't their true need. He had come to meet their ultimate need, which was salvation, which was redemption, which was restoration to a relationship with God. Not to redeem them from Rome. That was so trivial, so small in the scope of things. His perspective was different than theirs. Let's go to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14 Verse 22 tells the story of Peter walking on water. And you guys know this story. And it's a great story, and I use it quite a bit. Most preachers do. But let's start in Matthew chapter 14, 22. As soon as the meal was finished, he insisted that the disciples get in the boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the people. With the, when the crowd dispersed, he climbed the mountain so he could be by himself to pray. He stayed there alone late into the night. Meanwhile, the boat was far out to sea. When the wind came up against them and they were battered by the waves at about four in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. They were scared out of their wits. A ghost, they said, crying out in terror. But Jesus was quick to comfort them. Courage, it's me. Don't be afraid. Peter, suddenly bold, said, Master, if it's really you, call me to come to you on the water. So Jesus said, come ahead. Jumping out of the boat, Peter walked on the water to Jesus. But when he looked down at the waves, churning beneath his feet, he lost his nerve and started to sink. 
He cried, Master, save me. Jesus didn't hesitate. He reached down and grabbed his hand. And then he said, faint heart, what got into you? The two of them climbed into the boat and the wind died down. The disciples in the boat, having watched the whole thing, worshiped Jesus saying, this is it. You are God's son for sure. This shows Peter's perspective on life versus Jesus's. See, Peter, even though he sank in the end, you need to remember that he did walk on the water. Scripture doesn't say how far or how long he walked, but he did. Have you? So many preachers, myself included, always usually say, oh, see, Jesus called him faint-hearted, weak in faith. Why did you sink? Man, I'm stinking like, wow, you walked on the water, dude. You know what I'm saying? I'm sorry, I'm a youth pastor. I apologize. It came out there for a minute. I apologize. (laughs) He conquered one mountain only to turn and see an even bigger one ahead of him. Now, Carrington, could I borrow you for a second? Yes, I am a youth pastor. You need to be aware, but I promise I won't kill you. You Come up here, please. I won't kill you. And if you do happen to perish, we believe in a God who raises the dead. Amen? Amen. So, Carrington, please come here. Now, we're going to pretend for a minute that the cross is Jesus. Actually, Pastor Ken, could you stand up here, right here in the light, right, right, right. Cody, could you come stand up here in a minute? Well, I was gonna say Jesus, because, I mean, oh, well, you're right, the beard. You are right, thank you. So, uh, Cody, could you stand right there? You're gonna be Jesus for a minute. Now, see, Carrington's gonna be Peter for me. Now, he sees Jesus, and he asks him, hey, if it's you, let me come, and Jesus says, right? So he gets out of the boat, Simulate getting out of the boat. Good. That's good. Now you're on the water. I want you to look at Jesus. Now your perspective is on Jesus. Where are you going? Okay, you can stand right there. That's good. Now Carrington, your eyes are on Jesus, right? He even looks like him. Wow, that's stud. And but here's the thing: your eyes are on him. Suddenly. Give him a round of applause, please. Now, no, I need you. I need you. Now, thank you, Cody. Was it difficult for you to maintain your eye contact on Jesus while getting sprayed in the face with water? Very difficult. It was very difficult. Thank you. You can go sit down. Thank you. You see, Carrington, as long as he was focused on Jesus, as long as his perspective was focused on the Christ, the Messiah, the one that could raise him from the dead, the one that could keep him walking on the water, he stayed on top of the water. He did. And scripture doesn't say how long he walked on water. But you see, you could be walking through these problems You could be dealing with them and you could be conquering. You're walking on water. You feel like a million bucks and suddenly something comes along the way and sidetracks you. And you weren't prepared for it. And suddenly your eyes, instead of being on the one who can redeem you, the one who prospers you, the one who loves you, the one who heals you, the one who keeps you afloat, instead of being on that, suddenly you get distracted. And your eyes suddenly shift 
to the problem. Now, this is what I believe wholeheartedly. I don't think Peter's problem was noticing the storm around him. And I want you to hear me very carefully. Peter's problem wasn't seeing his problem. It was that his focus changed. His perspective went from seeing the solution to his problem to focusing on the problem. And we need to stop looking wholeheartedly with our whole being at our problem. And we need to shift our gaze upon the one who's the solution to our problem. Amen. Now I want you to look at your life in these closing moments and I want you to think about your problem. Now I don't want you to shift your whole gaze upon your problem. See, even though we're people of faith, it's okay to admit that you have a problem. It's okay to admit that there are things going on, there are hard times in your life. I want you to take a look at your problem, notice your problem, but don't focus on it. And I want you to think about it, what circumstances circumstances that you are facing, what your mountain is, what your stormy sea is. And I want you to ask yourself, is my whole focus, is my perspective 100% on my problem or is it on the solution, who is Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ, no matter your problem, no matter what you're going through, he is the solution to your problem. Jesus Christ, the almighty, God with us, Emmanuel, he came to be the solution to your problem. See, he knew what Israel needed, even though they didn't need it, uh, know what they needed. They thought they needed a king, a conquering warrior king, but he knew that they needed his, uh, his ability to save them from their own sin. See, Jesus was what they needed, but yet their whole gaze and their whole focus was on the problem. Where is your gaze. Tonight you might be thinking, well, I have all these problems. I'm, I have all these things that are going on in my life. But you know what? Like Pastor Don was saying in, in the Love Song series, today is a new day. Today can start your new day now. It's a new start. It's a fresh start. God makes everything clean. And the great thing about your focus and your gaze is that you can take it off of your problem just like when you took it off of Jesus and put it on your problem. You have the great ability in you to take your gaze and your perspective off of your problem and put it on your solution, which is Jesus. And you can do that tonight. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.